0: Today is February 1st and our chapter is Exodus chapter 6, setting the stage for the Echodas for the way out. When we come to chapter six, there are some amazing scriptures and some that we will talk about when we get to chapter 12 and the actual Passover itself, the passing over of the death angel as God spares his people and he brings judgment, final judgment upon the house of Pharaoh and of all of Egypt. But before we get there, let's look at chapter 6. First of all, the scripture says that when God appeared to Moses, that he had to convince Moses that indeed he had chosen him that he was going to use him. And over and over again, we've seen God convincing Moses and the people before he ever has to deal with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But when we come to chapter 2, there is something that gives pause for those who are students of the Scriptures. And God spoke to Moses and said unto him, I am Hashem, I am, and it's the personal name of God that first appears in Genesis chapter two, YHVH. Now that's called the tetragrammaton. That means the four letters. He said, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, as the all-sufficient one. is translated Almighty, which is a good translation. I prefer all-sufficient for reasons that I've already spoken of in past podcasts. I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai, but by my name, and then there is this name that we do not know how to pronounce. It's translated all capitals in our Bibles, Lord. I was not known to them. Well, that seems to be a contradiction because he appeared even in the early chapters of Genesis as what we would say in the West, Yahweh or Yahweh, Hashem. No one knows the pronunciation of the name, but we know that he did appear. So what is he talking about? Well, there's all kinds of liberal theories to it, but those of us who believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God and that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the Torah, then I believe there's only one explanation. That is, the Lord said, but by my name, Hashem, the name, I was not known to them. Now, the term known to them can mean no with your head, but it can also mean known by experience. I believe this is what he's talking about. In other words, these patriarchs, these patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew God by his name, but they had never seen and witnessed his power, which has to do with his covenant-keeping ability. Remember, the Lord appeared to Abraham as a flame of fire, as a smoking torch, and as he passed through the blood-ditch ritual cutting the covenant with Abraham. He appeared to Isaac and rescued Isaac in chapter 22, as the great substitute was given through the ram that was caught in the thicket by his horns, and God spared Isaac. And as you read through the scriptures about Isaac, you will see a phrase referring to this time as the God of Isaac's dread, this scarred and marked Isaac when his father was about to cut his throat and he was down to the point of dying and God rescued him. God showed himself to Jacob at Peniel when he wrestled with this angel of the Lord and he was marked for life with a limp for the rest of his days and surely saw, he said, the very face of God. But now the Israelites and Moses were going to see God keeping his covenant after 400 years. They were going to witness God's strong arm like neither Abraham, Isaac, nor Jacob had done. They were going to see his power in a way that never had been expressed up to this point. And they were going to see not only the plagues, but the parting of the Red Sea where the water stood up in a heap and they walked through on dry ground. And then he drowned the entire Egyptian army. They would see the great wailing of the Egyptians as the Passover itself took place. They're going to see the covenant-keeping God and experience Him for 40 years, we know by hindsight, that indeed God is faithful to His word that He was going to get His people to Canaan. Not all of them were going to go, but God was going to keep his promise that he would bring Abraham's seed back into the land. And I believe without doubt that is what this reference is to in verse 2 and verse 3, where God said, They have not known me in a sense like you are going to know me. They never saw me the way you are going to see me. Of course they knew his name, but he did not reveal himself to them in the way that he was going to with this people. And it's just parenthetically it's hard to conceive that after all that God did that they still rebelled against him. But that's no harder to believe with all the revelation we have in the very written word of God which includes the new covenant, the testimony of Jesus rising from the dead after living a perfect life, dying as our substitute, paying the sin debt, and yet we doubt God and we have more light than they had. That's right, we have more light because when Jesus rose from the dead, died to pay the penalty for all men's sins. Then the Bible says God declared him to be the son of God by raising him from the dead. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. All to say, we have greater light than they have. We've experienced more of God than they did. Yet we, in all of our light, doubt just as they did. Complain just as they did. When God doesn't come through just when we think he should, we start in the complaining and griping and murmuring. How we murmur against our leadership. How we murmur against those who are in our company. On and on, I think I need to move on. Verse 4, I have also established my covenant with them. That is, this is a continuation of chapter 3, when God's going to establish a covenant with them that is going to be something that will be in all of Judaism and all of Abraham's seed for the rest of their days, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groanings of the The children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. It always comes back to God making a covenant and God's going to keep the covenant. Remember, Abraham couldn't even walk through the blood ditch to help cut the covenant. God said, Not only will I keep my end, I'll keep your end. And he did. And he's doing it. And he is showing his faithfulness by this very statement and what he's going to do. And starting in verse 6 and going into verse 7, we have four specific I wills given. Now, we're going to come back to this when we come to chapter 12 because it has to do with remembering the Passover. When we come to the Passover, I will talk with you about what's going to happen. This is. 1,400 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Actually, 1,446 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And then another 30-plus years, and Jesus is sitting at a table like he had done many times in his growing up years with his family, and now with his disciples. He's having a last supper, a last Passover supper. And he has in front of him four cups ups and the reason he had four cups in front of him is because this is how the Jews remembered to tell the great story of Passover. And when we get to chapter twelve, I will lay all of this out. And by the way, you will be able to go to my website and to download some things that I have written on the Passover. And every year I try to have a Passover in a convention center or a conference center somewhere just to teach pastors and lay people, and to have a great Passover meal together to show you what the Lord Jesus did, what Jews have been doing now for over 3,000 years, to remember what God did on that sacred night that we're going to read about in chapter 12. And so there are four I wills. God said, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. He said, I will rescue you that is he will bring them out by rescuing them I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people I will be your God then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you up out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and I will give it to you as As a heritage, I am Hashem, I am the Lord. So Moses spoke this to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Now, think about it. All of this good news that God said, I am faithfully going to do for you, and they couldn't even enjoy it. Why? Because they were just in bondage. They were having to go find straw now because of what Moses had done. God wasn't doing them a favor. He was not giving them relief in the way that they wanted it at the time that they wanted it. And they were so caught up in that that they could not see what God was doing. And again, we marvel and say, why couldn't they just trust God? Well, my question is, why can't we? And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, "'Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, "'to let the children of Israel go out of this land. "'And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, "'The children of Israel have not heeded me. "'How then shall Pharaoh heed me? "'For I am of uncircumcised lips.'" And so here's Moses again complaining to God and said, "'Look, your own people don't even believe me. "'How is Pharaoh going to pay attention to me?' And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the children out of the land of Egypt. Now, God just kept on going back and saying, Moses, you're going to have to trust me. Moses, you're going to have to trust me. God was leading Moses along. He was leading the children of Israel. You see, God in his great mercy does this. Think about it. How has God led these people? Moses is having to learn himself. You see, this is why over and over and over again, I have said to pastors, you cannot just get up and preach something and prepare to preach something. Your spirituality and your church's spirituality are incumbent upon you to walk with God because you cannot really preach with passion something you're not living at yourself because in the back of your heart and mind, you're going to say, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not even believing this myself. Moses had trouble doing this with passion because he really didn't believe it himself. And he was talking directly with God. Well, what do you think we're doing when we're reading the words of God, the Bible? God is speaking directly to us. It's the very words of God. This is why it's so important that we do this in a habitual fashion. I know some of you get behind, but come on, we've got to do this every day. This is why it's so important. We need bread every day or we're fasting from the word of God. You need to eat every day. If you don't eat, you call it fasting. Well, you're going to fast from the word of God. It's more essential to you than food. It is life not just here. And now it is life eternal. It is what gives us hope and assurance and a reason to live a reason to get up of a morning. God is waiting. He's got, he, has an appointment with us and so this is exactly the kind of thing that we need to be reading why as i shared with you in an earlier podcast the things that were written before the things that we're reading right now were not just for them the apostle paul said it was written for our admonition that we might have hope, assurance that God is who he said he was. Why? Because he's been faithful. Sometimes people will say to me, well, you know, you make a lot about this idea of the covenant God made with Abraham. Listen to me. If God was unfaithful to Abraham, how do we know he wouldn't be unfaithful to us? If God was unfaithful to Abraham, then he would be unfaithful to us. But God has been faithful. Even when Abraham was unfaithful, God was faithful, and he is today. And if God has cast his people off because they did not believe and were not faithful to him and disobeyed him, is that what God's going to do to us when we disobey him? If that's the case, then you and I are in deep, deep trouble. This is the way you and I are. We are all the time consistently, constantly, I hate to break it to you, but sin is not just doing something wrong. It's not doing what you should do. It's not thinking what you should think. It's not saying what you should say when you should have said it. Because you see, for those of us who know to do something, to know to do something and not do it to him, it is sin. That's what James, the Lord's half-brother said. All I'm saying is, these things are for us. Grab hold of them. And ask God, as we go through these plagues and all of the things that he's going to take the children of Israel through in the book of Exodus that we're going to read about, let's look and learn, let's listen and learn and learn to obey. Because you see, this is why God has given these words to us to help us as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp.